0: In camera with God, time here on the breakfast show. We had a short testimony a moment ago from somebody who uh, Wayne Howell who recorded that. We're going to have another short testimony right now from one of our listeners who has called through, Mm. David from Western Australia, I believe. David, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how you going, Lyle and Lawson? How you doing, guys? Yeah, we're we're doing fantastic.
0: How are you doing, David?
1: I'm doing well. I was uh, really touched by that um, family who said uh, they had. Um, seven, um, children. Okay. We've only got the six, but as I was saying to Shell, the blessing was that when, um, we were thinking of having children, the doctors sort of said, Oh, there's a problem with your wife. Her fertility isn't at its best and you guys probably won't have kids. So of course you do as believers, you take it to the Lord and the Lord says, No, I've promised you to multiply and thus it will be. So we went, okay. And we found out later after having um, our six children, the doctor said, oh, that's probably because uh, your wife uh, has her uh, fertility every six months and you jagged it. And we went, no, 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 no. With God, you don't jag things. If he says you are to be prosperous, he gives you the appropriate time to wow. go, right, this is the time to have your children. And we have uh, uh, three blessed daughters, a son, a daughter and a son, and the three oldest have given us... Uh, five beautiful grandsons,
0: David, that is an absolutely fantastic story. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing it. You know, the doctor said, yeah, you're not going to have children. David and his wife, they go out and have six. Not because they're special, but because God is amazing. Mm. You know, this is what I love about these kind of testimonies. And now they've got five, six children, five grandchildren. I'm sure there'll be many more grandchildren yet to come. And so I just want to praise God with David this this morning. And these are the kind of testimonies that we want to hear. We want them recorded so that we can play them as just, you know, short little one-minute, two-minute, half-minute testimonies just to make Faith FM positively different radio. So think about what happened in your life in the last week in the last month, in the last year, whatever it might be, and the testimony that you can share of God's goodness and God's greatness in your life. I know that every single one of you has something you can share. So, uh, call it through, text it through, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. Our number is 0491064669. Right now, we're going to have uh, the next clue in our question of the, uh, uh, not our question of the day, our quiz of the day. <laughs> yeah. Quiz time, followed by text messages. We're going to look at, uh, we're, we're going to look at what you had to say about the first half of the program.
2: Awesome. Okay. The next clue or the next question is, which book of the Bible says he was disposed and rejected of men. 0491 is the number two call or text if you know the answer to that one. Our prize for this week, which you can go in the draw for, is Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, the amazing leather edition that is awesome and you will be able to win provided you enter the quiz with by answering the questions. But again, that question was, which book of the Bible says he was disposed and rejected of men.
0: All right, if you know the answer, give us a call right now. Let's go to text messages and let's see what you had to say in the first half of the show today. And then, of course, we're going to be looking forward to what you have to say in relationship to the Bible study. Okay, the Jensons, If you wait long enough, it will happen. Next big event: Jesus is coming, and <laughs> you won't need an EV toll to, to get to heaven. No. <laughs> no, won't need let That's one. so funny. Um, I can't find that. Oh, someone says I can't find that old painting that I was given many years ago. What a pity! <laughs> <laughs> that was about the lady who uh, they found a random painting hanging on a wall and ended yep, up selling they it they sold for, it for
2: the hundreds of yeah, thousands yeah, like, of pounds.
0: Six hundred thousand dollars Aussie, yeah. thereabouts. Yeah. Okay, then there's another one here. It says when I was much younger and a martial arts instructor, my students and I used to do 300 push-ups as part of the training. Training. Almost embarrassing in comparison to this guy. How many did it in an hour? 3,182
2: 3, in, in one hour. 30. I used to do 100. Uh-huh.
0: I used to do 100 push-ups every day. That's awesome. Now I do like maybe 30. <laughs> anyway, uh, vaping sounds to me as peddling another lie. Of course it is. And mm. the census, the way that the New World Order via the government find it, their marketing, advertising, education, drugs, etc., uh, working according to their plan of changing population behaviours and morals affecting specifically Christians. Looks like it's working. This is true. Uh, God was surely with... Okay, here comes testimony. Here we, here we go. We've got another testimony coming through. Okay, what, what, what we want, um, guys, is we want you to record these. Mm. We want to put your voice on air.
2: Like a voice memo. Yeah, because deal. we can
0: play this, you know in a couple of different spots during the day mm. because you get different audiences on radio at different time periods mm. of the day and we just want to bless a lot of people. But I'm going to read this one. God, God was surely with me last Friday about 11 o'clock at night. I was in bed. All of a sudden, I got a terrible pain in the middle of my chest. The first thought I had was, oh no, I'm having a heart attack. Wow. The next thought in my mind was a prayer to God, a simple prayer, simply asking God, may your will be done. You know best. I leave my life in your care. If you can still use me for... Your glory let me live. If not, I'm ready. I only ask that you look after my family. The pain was pretty bad. It lasted for about five minutes or more. Then all of a sudden the pain left me. I didn't seem to suffer any further discomfort. Mm. On Monday I thought I'd better have it checked out. (laughs) I reckon so. (laughs) Called my doctor, got an appointment by 10.30am. Within ten minutes I saw my doctor who checked me and decided to give me a blood test and go for a scan thinking it could be a blood clot or clots in the system. Praise the Lord! All the tests came out clear. God is good. At my age, anything is possible. Mm. Okay, so obviously coming through from somebody who is not the youngest, mm. and uh, yeah, just praise God. Mm. I mean, this is this is a simple testimony. This is not something that is uncommon, particularly as people age. And so, what we want to hear is your testimony of what God has done in your life.
2: Mm.
0: Okay, uh, let me see what else we got here. Uh, regarding the EV toll, fools rush in where the wise fear to tread, this is one from Chris. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Somebody else says, I'm not sure about, I like the same idea of, uh, like the idea of the same people on the roads having access to the air. (laughs) So many people can hardly keep control on the road, Braden says. Kind of true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a few stories there about the uh, the EV tolls or electric vehicle vertical or, uh, sorry, takeoff and la- electrical landing. Electrical vertical takeoff and landing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. I wonder uh, what the range of this thing is. Twenty minutes right now. That that's oh, I could have a lot of fun in twenty, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah, they're, they're they're getting the technology there. But, I could have know, a lot its, of fun in twenty minutes for its uh, first kind of production. You know, look, and they're fully sold out. By the yes. way, the to all the twenty twenty two models they got, got. They're only eighty three thousand dollars as well which yes. is incredibly cheap for a vehicle like that um i actually have a quick testimony to share okay everyone's been sharing testimonies i'm like oh, i want to share something well then get your phone out record it and yeah. send it to shell no like well, i'm on radio i don't need to do that I'm, i, I am you got mi- special privileges guys i'm sorry but hey you know we've been hearing these testimonies about having children i've got a testimony about having children okay uh, this is going to be an interesting. <laughs> I did not. I, you're going to share something that we're all unaware of here, Lawson? <laughs> well, not about actually literally having children, uh, but having spiritual children. Right. Having spiritual children. Uh, and that testimony is that uh, as I, I shared yesterday, you know, the blessings that came from AYC, yes. uh, how we, you know, we were able to get out and. and do work and lead, you know, for my, in my particular scenario, I was uh, looking over a bunch of school students as they were getting out in the community and having conversations with people about Jesus and whatnot. Uh, But for me and for our church, one of the real blessings to come out of AYC is that we actually canceled church that week. And we told all our church members, hey, instead of going to church, you should come along to this conference. You should come to AYC. And four of our Bible study contacts, people who are not Christian or not, you know, a part of our church. Four of them, uh, who, We've been doing Bible studies with two of them, who I've been personally doing Bible studies with, and then another two who have been doing Bible studies with other church members, made the decision to get baptized. Right. And so, we were just praising God, because our goal for this year is that we want to see, from our church, four baptisms. We have a congregation of between 30 to 40 on a a good week, and we were like, okay, we want to see four people get baptized. And those four people made a decision in one weekend. So we are, obviously there was lots of work that built up to that, you know, lots of Bible studies and whatnot, but those people made decisions and we are just absolutely praising God in our hearts for them. And so by the end of August, those people should be baptized and then we'll be able to, you know, continue our work from there. And I'm a part of the Newcastle University Adventist Church, so we'll be working in Newcastle Uni and finding more people who want to join the kingdom of heaven. But I'm just really, really praising God uh, that people have made those decisions. You're listening to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio.
0: Praise God, will all heaven rejoices. That's uh, super exciting to hear. We need to jump into our Bible study, and we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11.
2: Okay. All right. I am flicking over there now. Isaiah chapter 40. Forty and verse. We're talking
0: about the crucible, the the shepherd's crucible. That's right. Which is just like a weird kind of a title for a Bible study. Uh 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 But anyway, Isaiah forty and verse eleven. How does what kind of a why is the shepherd in the crucible? What what kind of a crucible does a shepherd have? How
2: does something that belongs to a blacksmith relate to a shepherd? That's right. Verse eleven, the Bible says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lamb in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep to their young.
0: Okay, so what do we learn from the? What do we learn about the shepherd in this passage right here?
2: He is the protector of the sheep.
0: Okay, so if you're
2: the protector, then how would that relate to a
0: crucible? Mm,
2: well, a crucible, as we defined yesterday, is like a pot that you chuck a bunch of metal in to melt it all down and mm-hmm. reform it and reshape it. And if this is the shepherd's crucible. So this is my thought: Is this the crucible that the shepherd goes into, or is this the crucible that the shepherd owns and puts other people into? You see,
0: both of these are going to become relevant. Mm. What I'm seeing here in these initial verses is that is the crucible that the shepherd goes into, mm. because here you've got somebody who, uh, what is he? He feeds his flock, he gathers them in his arms, he carries them in his bosom, mm. he gently leads them. This is somebody who is a protector of his flock, and a protector, of, a, a, a protector is somebody who takes the beating for others. Mm. So, for instance, we have, you know, here in Australia, we have a defence force. Uh huh. The defence force is, are the ones who go out and take the beating on our behalf, place their lives on the line mm. on our behalf. Yes. Because they protect. Uh, That's what they do. And so you've got a similar role with the shepherd. The shepherd is there to protect, which means that the shepherd is the one who is in a crucible. Mm. But as you say, there's more to it than that. We're going to just learn some things about shepherding here for a moment. Mm. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 3
2: and 4. Jeremiah 23, verse 3 and 4, as I just find it in the page. The Bible says, Now, Am I a God who is only close at hand? Am I a God who is only close at wait, hand? Wait, 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 Lord? wait,
0: Is that chapter 23?
2: 23, yeah. Jeremiah? Jeremiah 23, What which verse? Verse 3. Oh, I'm reading 23, Lal <laughs> Jeremiah 23 and verse 3, the Bible says, But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number.
0: Uh, keep going, keep going. Next verse. Continuing
2: on in verse four, it says, "Then I will appoint a responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken." Okay, so this is the shepherd, and this is the shepherd speaking about us. How does that make you feel? I feel protected. Like, I feel like, le- but also led, you know, the, we can talk about the greater context of this story and how it fits into the prophecy of, you know, reflecting what's going on in Israel at the time. But just in a general sense, like, he's talking about, oh, like the remnant of his flock, those who remain close to him, like, or, you know, go branch out, but like those who he is calling, he will gather them together. He will put them on the right track. He'll put them in the right path. The shepherd is firstly the protector, but also the leader and the guider. The one who is guiding the shepherd to live the best life, to live the life that the shepherd has planned out for them. He guides them back in, he gathers them together, and then he causes them to be fruitful and to fulfill the purpose that he has for them.
0: Absolutely. And the thing that I see coming through here is, you know, when we, I mentioned this yesterday, you look at your dog and you think, wow, you know, that's a dog's life. <laughs> you know, your dog very rarely has any reason to get stressed mm. or anxious or mm-hmm. worried or anything like that. Uh, your dog never has to worry about the next where the next meal is coming from mm. because it you know comes from his master and his master just
2: puts it in his bowl every day yep that 's where that 's where food comes from. All the dog has to do before he gets the food is do what the master said that's just, it just sit down that 's absolutely how
0: it works mm. and so we look at our lives and we look at the stress that we have in our lives and we think that we have to deal with a massive amount of stress and care and bother. what we forget is that we are just one life. Mm. Jesus carries the burden of the stress and care and bother of every single person on this planet. Mm. And he carries that because he is our shepherd. He is the one who is there to guide us. He is the one who is there to protect us. He is the one who who, who took the beating for us. Mm. And so we might look at our dog and say, oh, wow, you know, it's a dog's life. Ah, Jesus can look at us and like, wow, you know, it's a human's life. It's a human's (laughs) life. Because we really have no idea what God is doing for us. Mm. Every single day. There is so much that is going on behind the scenes that we just don't see happening and God taking care of us. Mm. All right, Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 12. And this is one of the things that, you know, you, you think about all of the secular people in the world that have no idea. Just how much God does for them. You know, we have a little bit of an idea. They have no idea how much God is doing mm. for them every single day.
1: Mm.
2: But I think also, <clears throat> like, then they, they run away from the shepherd. Like they, instead of it, like it's, you realize, I I feel like the experience of conversion for a lot of people, and I know, especially for myself, it was like, wow, God was always working in my life. He was always trying to reach out to me and now I'm finally responding and I want to be in line with his plans and I want to follow the way that he wants me to go because I know he is my shepherd. He'll lead me, you know, to green pastures. Like he will lead me uh, to the things that I need. Now, sometimes the shepherd needs to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death, as we were talking about yesterday. Like, sometimes it can be a hard situation. But I feel like the, the sad thing is for secular people, like God is still faithful. God is still doing so much for them. And they could live such a better life, and they could really just experience God if they would just let themselves, let let him into their lives. Yes. But that's that's the sad conundrum that they're in. But Ezekiel, what's the chapter? Uh, ezekiel 34 and verse 12 ezekiel 34 and verse 12 i'll just find it here in my bible i think it's just over the page and the bible says in verse 12 i will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock i will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day
0: Okay, so there you go. Once again, what is the shepherd doing right here? The shepherd is getting out there. And the shepherd is looking after his flock. He mm. is finding where they are. He is working with their, you know, their problems. The dark and cloudy day, they get lost, whatever it might be. He's there. Mm. He's out there. Mm. All right, let's look at another passage. Uh, this time let's go over to the New Testament. John chapter 10. Uh, we've got a couple of verses here to look at, verse 14 to 16. So John chapter 10, we've got a a number of verses that we need to consider here in relationship to the shepherd, because you've got all of these, you've got all of these passages in the Bible, mm. particularly in the Old Testament about the shepherd, mm. and then Jesus comes along and says, "They're about me." Mm. He claims them. Yep. which is interesting because when you look at Jewish culture, all of your great Jewish heroes or Hebrew heroes or Israelite hero- heroes, mm. they're all shepherds. Mm. Abraham. Isaac Jacob they're shepherds, mm. you know when they go down to Egypt and we studied that you know before they're despised by the Egyptians because the Egyptians just despise anyone who has anything to do with sheep mm. they look down upon, but they're proud to be shepherds. Then you look at Moses, what is Moses? Moses is a shepherd, yes, then you look at David, what is David? David is a shepherd mm. you even you even got uh, you've even got Cyrus mm. Cyrus who helps he's a shepherd okay John chapter 10 verse 14 to 16
2: the Bible says in John chapter 10 14 to 16 I am the good shepherd I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father so I sacrifice my life for the sheep I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold, but I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I, I feel like we've been doing this world tour so far of all the different shepherd verses in the Bible talking about the shepherd relating to his sheep. And this particular one here is talking about the shepherd who, again, is laying down his life for the sheep, who is calling them, who is running out to the extremities of the world, even though, though his sheep, they've gone out to different flocks he's running out to the the extremities to look after them to to bring them back into the fold and to ultimately be there for his sheep and this is so powerful because what we see here like this this is ultimately pointing to what jesus would do for all of humanity i, I love the fact we went through jesus And we saw, oh, wow, Genesis really highlights this family who would bring Jesus into the world. This is our previous Bible study. Now, this Bible study, it's like, oh, well, how does that Savior, how does he function? He's like a shepherd reaching out into every single part of the world, finding those who are in his flock and bringing them back to him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are going to get back into our Bible study and encounter with God, but we'll just have one more clue for the quiz. For those who are noticing, this is actually an extra one. We've done, we've done six today. We've given you more opportunity to win the prize for this week. So, firstly, I gotta say, be grateful, and then, <laughs> secondly, I gotta tell you guys, please get to the phones, get the numbers ready: 0491-064-669. Our last question for today is. To what does Paul compare the church in 1 Corinthians? If you know the answer to that one, 0491 064 669 is the number to call or text, and if you call or text that number with the correct answer, you will go in the draw to win Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings by E.G. White. This is a fantastic, incredible book full of messages of Jesus that he shared powerfully from the Mount of Blessing, one of his longest recorded sermons that just apply to our life so much. Like, not only they, they I, I believe they deeply Bound on who God is, but also how he is calling us to follow him. If you want to know those things, 491 64 answer the question correctly, you will go into the draw for the prize. And again, that question was, to what does Paul compare the church in 1 Corinthians? But now getting back into our Bible study and considering this shepherd's crucible, and now we saw in John chapter 10 that Jesus is called this good shepherd, That gathers his sheep from different parts of the earth, from different flocks. He gathers them together. And the question that I have when I, when I read that, when I try and understand that, it's like, well, why is he, why is he going out to other flocks? What, what happened? Like, why, why, why is Jesus as this good shepherd? You know, why is this shepherd going out to get sheep from, from other flocks and from other places of the world? What, why is that? Where why did these sheep leave? Surely if they're his sheep, they should just be following him. Like, why are they here and why are they there? And why are they everywhere? I want to read you guys a passage from the book of First Peter. And in First Peter, the Bible says this. It kind of it kind of gets into and, and outlines and details what Christ went through in his life. Starting in verse 21 in First Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow his steps. So it gives us this this concept or this outline, like Jesus suffered so much for you. And if you have to go through suffering for Jesus, well, you should accept it because... You know, he was the one who did it first. You know, this is how you show that you are love and are following God. It's a pretty simple equation. Jesus has laid his life down for you. He's lived this perfect life and you're called to do the same. And then Peter outlines how it is that Jesus did that, starting in verse 22. It, firstly, it says, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. And that is something that none of us, none of us here in the Faith of FM studio, none of us here in our... Office building, none of us here in the church or out in the world can ever claim that we never sinned nor deceived anyone. In fact, I think it's, yeah, one of the, one of the greatest, uh, accusations against just the Christian church in general is that, oh, it's a full of a bunch of deceptive hypocrites who play holy, but in reality aren't really. And man, I can own up to that wholly and solely that oh, we, yes, we have participated in sin and decept- deception, but on the other hand, Jesus never did so it goes on and it says he did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered he left his case in the hands of God, who always, just, who always judges fairly. Again, these are things that we are not holy or worthy enough to say that we have done. I think God can do a work in our heart, and he changes us to the, to the point where we can participate in this when we're, when we're looking towards Jesus, when we're looking towards God. We won't participate in retaliation or revenge. But Jesus, from the outset, never did. He never did. And even Jesus, who suffered the most out of everyone, living a sinless life, but then dying the death of the cross, never sins. It then continues on, not only never sins, sorry, but never even threatened revenge for his suffering against those who caused him to suffer. It then continues on in verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live to what is right. And by his wounds, you are healed. Wow, um, incredible. So, it's it's kind of opening and exploring this idea. It's like, okay, Jesus has been through all this incredible suffering, and who did he do it for? For you. And now we get to the shepherd analogy. In verse 25, it says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Essentially, the reason why the shepherd is going out to different flocks and different pastures all over the world to gather his sheep back together is because we as sheep have gone astray. It is our fault that we've left the shepherd. Now, you know, most of the time, you know, if if a shepherd loses control of his flock and they end up doing ridiculous things, you could say most of the time the blame is probably on the shepherd. That is his job. The job of the shepherd is to keep the flock intact but again you know as we as we say you know these different symbols and signs the Bible calls them often shadows of things to come they're, they're parables they they're a story that represents a true reality now it equates us to sheep but sheep are really just mindless and influenced by all, all different kinds of things now we as human beings we have the ability to make decisions we have the ability to choose and the reason that we have gone astray is not because of the fault of the shepherd no the shepherd is perfectly loving and amazing has been consistently working in our lives to bring us back to him no it's not the fault of the shepherd but it's the fault of ourselves we have gone astray as sheep because of our own decisions because of our own desires that's why we have left the flock and now the shepherd like like he is reaching out to us and calling us back we are the bad sheep we are the bad and evil sheep and and the shepherd sees that and rather than giving up on the sheep and saying, look, these sheep are too much, you know, these sheep, they're, they're too much for me, they're, they're backstabbed me, they're conniving, uh, you know, it's like, how can you think of a sheep like that? They're just a mindless sheep, but again, we're talking about people, these people who were supposed to follow me to live the perfect and most happy and most incredible life, they've left me, they've left me, they've wanted away. They've made their decision. And the shepherd could say, well, stuff the sheep. Yeah, I'll find new sheep. I'll, I'll, I'll raise new sheep. But instead, he says, no, I will lay down my life for those sheep who have wandered away. I will do everything that I can to bring them back. I'll put myself in the way of torture and ridicule and incredible suffering because I love my sheep. I'm the guardian of their souls. That's who the shepherd is. And we have the ability to choose. Now, okay, do we want to be in the shepherd's fold? He's calling us to be. He's knocking on the door. He is asking. He is trying to, you know, I I I love animal analogies in the Bible. And the other one that is very common and very famous in Matthew chapter 11 is the idea of we're yoked with Jesus. You know, here he's the shepherd guiding us. Then in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20, 28 to 30, you know, we're yoked with Jesus. It's like we're two ox. He's the strong ox. We're the weak ox. And we're, we're yoked with him. And then we walk beside him. And he enables us to be able to walk and to do the works that he's called us to do. Just like a strong ox is put with a weak ox in there yoked, there. They're, they're tied together so that they can do the work of plowing. And the question for us today, do we want to be under the guidance of the shepherd? Do we want to be in the yoke of the strong ox? Do we want to be following Jesus? Because if we do, if we do want to be, we'll be enabled to do the works that he has called us to do. Man, this is powerful stuff. We have an amazing Bible study. I think tomorrow we're going to be getting more back into Psalms chapter 23, looking at this Epic psalm, the analogy of the shepherd, and really breaking it down. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're going to have some answers for the quiz this morning, so... Question one: The answer was they are walled up to the height of heaven. So it was the height that it was the height of the walls that they were. That was the aspect that they were commenting on and that they were focused on. Uh, The next one: Complete the verse. The greatest of these is love. Simon Peter's brother's name Andrew. Which book comes first and or is the earliest in the Bible? Nahum. The next question after that was: Which book of the Bible says he was uh, despised and rejected of men? Isaiah, and finally, to what does Paul compare the church in 1 Corinthians? He compares it to the human body. So, if you got those answers correct, congratulations, your name will be put into the drawer, however many times you got it correct. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day! Alright, our question of the day today is, in the Garden of Eden... After Eve was deceived, why did Adam eat too? Was it willful sin? Was it love for his partner? Or was it plain disobedience? Well, let's have a look at this story and try to come to some understandings of what would make, uh, what would motivate Adam to participate in the eating of the fruit as Eve had done. So, starting off in Genesis chapter 2 and reading in verse 17, the Bible says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. So, God says this to Adam and Eve in their presence very clearly. You know, there's no secrecy around this. It wasn't information that Eve knew and Adam didn't, or Adam knew and Eve didn't. They were not deceived. They were not uninformed as to what the consequences would be of eating the fruit. Now, we come to chapter 3. We see the cunning serpent. The cunning serpent tells Eve, hey, you should eat this fruit. It will be good. You will be like God. Eve says, no, I shouldn't eat the fruit because I will die. That's what God said. You know they have this dispute back and forth, but ultimately, in verse six, it says so. It says so. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave her husband with her, and he ate as well. Now the question here is: Was Adam's sin willful sin? And, like, that's the first question that we have here. Was it willful sin? And the answer, to me, is obviously yes. Adam was not deceived over the consequences of eating this fruit. And also, it doesn't indicate in the text that... Eve gave it to him on the sly, like didn't tell, you know, gave him the fruit, but didn't tell him that it was actually the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. I think something that people really need to realize about the fruit of knowledge of good and evil is that there was nothing inherently poisonous about the fruit. There wasn't like that the fruit was really special. And when you ate it, then bam, all of a sudden you're really smart. The reason it gave you the knowledge of good and evil is because when you ate the fruit, you participate in sin. And now you become like a, a sinner. You know what evil is. Of course, they already know what good is because they've been following God and they've been doing good. But now they know what evil is because they've eaten the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So, if Adam had eaten the fruit but not known it was the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil that wouldn't be a sin at all, because he wouldn't wouldn't be disobeying God by eating the fruit. He doesn't even know that it's bad. How can you say that someone is is sinning if they have no idea uh, that they are doing so? Now you could say, oh, well, are you saying that if someone murders someone, they don't know it's wrong and then it's okay? Well, ultimately, God judges us based on our ignorance, based on what we know. And I think in this case, like, yeah, there was no difference of the fruit of this tree and every other tree. It was ultimately that God had Placed in the garden a litmus test for his creation to be able to know if they're following God or not. And so essentially, what had taken place is not that, oh, you know, Adam accidentally ate the fruit and then he was kicked out. No, 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 no. He ate the fruit willingly. That's why it was a sin. And that's why, you know, this disqualified them in being a part of the Garden of Eden. You know, and and it's interesting when you look at the story that follows this, because then it says after this, was it love for his partner or plain disobedience? And I would say it's probably both of those things. Firstly, plain disobedience. Yes, because he knew it was wrong to eat the fruit. Secondly, was it love for his partner? Yes, because it was Eve who gave him the fruit. And definitely that probably would have been part of the motivation. But ultimately, we see after this, you know, people say, wow, God is so harsh because, you know, they eat this fruit and then God kicks them out of the garden. But we see their behavior. They're running away from God. They're hiding from God. You know, Do they want to be in the garden? It doesn't seem like so. No, they're running away. They want to get out of there. They have plainly disobeyed God. They have decided to disobey Him. It is, yeah, their willful sin that has done this and has plunged the whole world into sin.
1: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.
0: Didn't Lawson do a great job with Question of the Day today. I really enjoyed that. I was out there with Producer Shell just listening in. Wow. Taking it
2: I've easy. I've done plenty of your questions of the day. Yeah, but La, I You're, get to you're hear them. away a lot. i like... away, so I <laughs> get to hear
0: them. Was just, it was fantastic.
2: La, I was like, oh, I'm sick, and then I have to do it. I don't listen
0: to the radio when I'm sick. I'm just in my bed going, uh. Yes. I'm going to be honest. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I'm asleep. Like, it's early. I'm wishing I I was asleep if I'm not. Yeah. And remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith. And you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
2: Amen. Keep securely